0: African. Welcome to Daybreak Africa from the Voice of America. I'm Douglas Simpuga in Washington. Today is Monday, April 18th. Here are some of the stories we're covering uh, this morning. Malawi police accused of hacking website of investigative media organization.
1: We must also address the issue of crude um, oil theft and, and uh, sabotage in the 90 Delta, infrastructure sabotage in the 90 Delta, because if you don't have investments in these fields, you can't get the
0: gas. As the EU considers shunning Russian energy products over its invasion of Ukraine, there are warnings that the EU's partnership with Nigeria on gas will be stalled by infrastructure deficits. It's a wholesale, a blanket approach towards containing the citizens' right to express, to choose to associate. And the Zimbabwean government pushes plans to enact a controversial law to make actions it considers unpatriotic criminal offences. Those stories and more coming up on Daybreak Africa. The Media Institute of Southern Africa in Malawi, a watchdog group, has accused the Malawi police service of hacking a website of the Platform for Investigative Journalism. The accusation comes after the media organization said Thursday that its website was compromised. Police have denied the allegation, saying the group lacks evidence. Lameka Massina reports from Blantyre.
2: The website hacking came more than a week after police arrested the managing director for the platform for investigative journalism, Grigory Gondwe. They wanted to find out where and how he obtained documents he used in a story about corruption involving government. Police could not get Gondwe to reveal the information. However, they did confiscate a mobile phone and laptop belonging to him and forced him to reveal passwords. Gondwe was unconditionally released four hours later due to international pressure largely from the U.S. and British embassies in Malawi. Police retained his equipment a day later. In a statement, to the Media Institute of Southern Africa in Malawi, a watchdog organization, says it believes the hacking was intentional and cannot rule out involvement of the state agents considering the circumstances. Teresa Ndanga is the chairperson for Misa Malawi. She spoke to VOA via a messaging application. The hacking incident has happened a few days after the managing director of the platform was arrested. His gadgets seized and uh, was forced to hand over his passwords. So they essentially had access to everything that Gregory has, his private life, his work life, and everything else. And um, that coincidence in itself is conviction enough on our part to conclude or to suspect that the police are involved. Ndanga says it is concerning that police officers who must be in the forefront in combating cyber security crimes have been linked to actions that qualify them as prime suspects. Hacking is a crime in Malawi under the Electronic Transactions and Cyber Security Act of 2016. Offenders face fines and seven years imprisonment. Misa Malawi has therefore asked the government to investigate and prosecute anyone suspected in this incident. Hari as deputy spokesperson for the Malawi Police Service, he told VOA via a messaging app that Misa Malawi's allegation lacks evidence.
1: Actually, you know,
3: as police, uh, we have a mandate to summon any person we feel that uh, it will be important in our inquiries and uh, the the investigation was regularly bounded, so this is why we are saying. Basing you know, the accusation on that is not substantial in terms of evidence.
2: Namaza said the investigation of Gondwe is still ongoing.
3: Interrogating him was uh, one of the stages uh, of our investigations we are conducting because he is one of the people we know that he can help in the investigations, but it has nothing to do with. Uh,
2: the hacking. Namaza says police have yet to start investigating the hacking incident because they have not yet received a complaint from the Platform for Investigative Journalism. Gregory Gondwe says his group is still assessing what happened.
4: We haven't complained because we're looking at what has been happening. The police, to us, are the main suspects because of what has led to the hacking. The first was the arrest the confiscation of the IT gadgets, then the hacking of our website. How do you expect me to go to the simple list and the logic complaint?
2: Gondwe says so far, his media organization has engaged independent IT experts to help track down the hackers. Security analyst Sherif Kaisin says police should work with other organizations like the Malawi Communications Regulatory Authority to assist in tracking and arresting the hackers if it wants to come out in the clear. Lamik Masina for Vuey News, Blanta, Malawi.
0: Some oil industry experts say a European Union delegation's visit to Nigeria last week was a strong indication about the EU's commitment to shun Russian energy products over its invasion of Ukraine. However, their warnings the EU's partnership with Nigerian gas will be stalled by infrastructure deficits. Timothy Obiezu reports from Abuja.
1: EU Ambassador to Nigeria Samuel Isopi led the delegates to Abuja, where they met with officials of the Nigerian National Petroleum Commission NNPC to strengthen collaborations on gas exports to Europe. Isopi said the move had been inspired by EU's commitment to boycott Russian energy following its invasion of Ukraine in February. Nigerian petroleum officials assured the delegates Nigeria would continue to deepen the relationship, particularly toward increasing gas supply to the global market. Binga Komolafe, an official at the Nigerian Upstream Petroleum Regulatory Commission, says words have been backed by actions.
0: We are working in collaboration with. uh I mean, with the operators, including uh, NFC, you know, on how to boost gas production.
1: Komolafe, however, did not give VOA any details on that effort. For decades, Russia supplied about 45% of Europe's liquefied natural gas. Nigeria, however, is the fourth largest exporter of gas to Europe after the US, Qatar and Russia but some industry experts say the opportunity created by the war in Ukraine for African energy producers faces challenges. Wale bangwo is an energy expert in Abuja. So to have a market opening up, which is a huge market, is an opportunity that Nigeria should take advantage of. Ideally, we should have been better prepared to take advantage of it before now. But now well, we can begin to think of the investment that can make that happen. There are capacity concerns regarding oil and gas output. And energy expert Udion Omomfoman says oil thefts and pipeline vandalism are robbing the country of significant amounts of revenue. We must also address the issue of, um, of um, crude oil theft and pipeline uh, sabotage in the 90 Delta, infrastructure sabotage in the 90 Delta. Because if you don't have investments in these fields, You can't get the gas. It would require significant amounts of resources to explore, develop and produce produce natural gas. Nigeria has the biggest gas reserves on the African continent, but its gas is unutilized. Authorities last year launched a decade-long project in a bid to use more gas instead of oil. For now, Nigerian authorities will be working to improve gas production and exports, while investors will be watching. Timothy Obiesu for VOA News, Abuja,
0: Nigeria. The Zimbabwean government is pushing plans to enact a controversial law to make action it considers unpatriotic criminal offences. Some critics say the legislation is part of efforts to silence dissenters ahead of the 2023 elections. Adegondo
4: gives us more from Bulawayo. Zanu legislators this month adopted a motion to enact a law targeting citizens it considers unpatriotic. The legislation makes it illegal for citizens and residents to engage in unauthorized foreign negotiations, diplomacy, foreign lobbying, or political and economic relations with countries in dispute with Zimbabwe's government. Tabani Moyo with the Media Institute of Southern Africa says the law is a threat to freedom of expression.
0: It's a wholesale, a blanket approach towards curtailing the citizens' right to express, to choose, to associate. Furthermore, that this that this is a clear violation of the
4: law, uh, which we, we, we will have profound implications to our constitutional order. Recently, the Minister of Justice testified in Parliament that the cabinet had approved principles to amend the law to punish citizens who communicate With foreign embassies to the detriment of the country. Some in the government say that by criticizing the government to embassies, citizens encourage Western governments to maintain economic sanctions on Zimbabwe. The government blames the sanctions imposed over human rights violations for the country's crumbling economy. The ZANU-PF pressure group Varakashi for ED also has called for the government to enact the law. PF Chief Pupurai Tugaras said the law is needed to prevent arbitrary arrests of people without a law criminalizing what he termed patriotic behavior. Human rights lawyer Dan Cotard says the legislation is too broad in its plans on any criticism of government. Uh, and it would be contrary to the interests of the nation in terms of ensuring that there's accountability for government officials who are involved in corrupt practices or, or who are involved in uh, in human rights abuses. There needs to be the room for those issues to be called out and to be challenged by citizens, and criminalising that will be very detrimental for Zimbabwe. Social political analyst F. says the ruling party is using the law to say that patriotism means
0: loyalty to ZANU PF. But the correct way of defining patriotism is a, a commitment to a, a free, democratic, and prosperous Zimbabwe uh, that is envisaged in the constitution, one where people have for the right to express themselves without fearing for their lives. Those that are resisting democratization. are are, are the people that are not patriotic to Zimbabwe. The kind of patriotism that they have in mind is one
4: where there is no opposition, where there is one party state, where ZANU is the only political party. General elections coming next year, many critics of Zimbabwe's government say this legislation and other efforts to suppress opposition politicians are intended to secure another win for ZANU-PF. The party has led the government since independence in 1980.
0: The Somali government blames a 30-year-old international arms embargo for its failure to defeat terror groups in the country. The government said its hands are tied in getting enough weapons to secure the country and its population. Mohamed Yusuf reports from Nairobi.
5: Speaking at the 62nd anniversary of the Somali National Army, President Mohamed Abdullahi Mohammed, known as Farmajo, Said his country finds it difficult to win the war against terrorist groups because of its inability to buy military hardware. Speaking in Somalia on Tuesday, the president says the government has advocated for lifting the arms embargo because the enemy, the Al-Qaeda terror group, is not under any sanctions. He says that with the country's 3,300 kilometres coastline, Terrorist groups can get goods from all these entry points. For us, he says, our hands are tied and we cannot buy weapons, even if we get the money to buy them, so that we can defeat the enemy. The arms embargo was imposed in 1992 after the collapse of the central government and the country disintegrated into clan war. In the past few years, Faramadzha's government called for an end to the sanctions so it can fight the Al-Shabaab militants and stabilise the country. The arms embargo is used to push countries and non-state actors to improve their behaviour in the interest of global peace and security. Somalia is among six African countries, Central African Republic, Democratic Republic of Congo, Libya, South Sudan and Sudan, under a UN arms embargo. These countries are experiencing internal conflict that has killed tens of thousands and displaced millions. Confidence Makari is a Nigeria-based geopolitical security analyst he says defeating terrorism without weapons can be challenging.
3: And so, yes, logically, if you stop a country from getting weapons to prosecute uh, terrorism or, or non-state actors, it's really going to impact on the ability to, to reach the country of terrorists. So on one hand, you are trying to prevent you, the, the person that is facing the embargo, you are trying to prevent uh, the loss of innocent lives by preventing the military from using arms to kill its citizens. But on the other hand, what your actions are doing is to strengthen the other people who of course, do not, uh, not follow established norms.
5: Last November, the United Nations Security Council renewed the arms ban on Somalia and it be reviewed again next November. The resolution says the ban does not apply to weapons, military equipment, military training and financial support intended to develop the Somali National Security Forces. Somali government forces supported by the African Union forces have been successful in pushing Al-Shabaab out of many towns and villages, but the group continues to carry out, hit and run attacks against security forces. The militant group has vowed to topple the internationally recognised government. Mohamed Yusuf, for VA News, Nairobi.
0: A top U.S. military commander says African countries dealing with violent extremism need to enact good governance, a strong rule of law and inclusion of marginalized communities if they want to promote stability. Again, Mohammed Yusuf reports from Nairobi.
5: Africa has seen an increase in terror groups operating across the continent in recent years. Al-Shabaab in East Africa, Al-Qaeda and Islamic State affiliates expanding in the Sahel, and Boko Haram around the Lake Chad Basin are among the most prominent. On Thursday, the head of the U.S. military special operations command Africa, Real Admiral Jimmy Sands, said African countries need better governance and greater cooperation if they are to stop the threat of terrorism.
6: No nation can solve this challenge or this problem alone. Partnerships are key. Prevention of extremism... Through governance reforms and progress is an easier path than fighting established violent extremists through kinetic activity values matter transparency accountability and inclusion are key as we move forward international investment is critical and this investment must be paired with security good governance and aid
5: terrorist activities has displaced at least 33 million people continent-wide and contributed to political instability in countries like Mali, Burkina Faso and Somalia. San says violent extremism erodes the relations between a government and its citizens.
6: The lack of security and with, in some regions, uh, a perception of disadvantagement that takes place between the government and the population really formed to create an environment where the population loses faith in the government and either decides deliberately to overthrow the government through a coup, or as we saw in in one country, Burkina Faso, we think it was a mutiny that turned into a coup.
5: In January of this year, Burkina Faso's military removed the president and suspended the constitution. Military officers said rising extremist violence and the deterioration of security forced them to seize power from the civilian-led government. Militant groups have especially thrived in neglected border areas where governments have little presence and communities on both sides of the border fight for whatever resources are available in the area. The Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development says forty percent of violent events and deaths occur within hundred kilometers of a border between two African countries. Simeu Warunga is the head of the Geneva Center for Africa Security. He says the lack of cooperation between African governments is a key driver of terrorism on the continent.
4: So what we lack in Africa is serious mechanisms, government to government, to deal with these issues and deal with it for good. In West Africa, we have the Sahel region, True, The Hell House is on grouping, ECWAS has is on grouping, but they don't seem to be working together. This gives this organisation space to create themselves and actually to counter what governments are doing by creating more smaller splinter groups so that they spread the chaos and uh, make it difficult for governments to deal with them.
5: Sands says the U.S. government will have men broken relations between governments and communities and encourage good governance as the best way of defeating terrorism. Mohamed Yusuf for VA News, Nairobi.
0: And now it's time for Daybreak Africa Sports, and for that, let's go to Abuja, where Samson Omale is standing by. Good morning, Samson.
3: Good Monday morning to you too, Douglas. We begin the sport with the quarterfinal results of the CAF Champions League played across various venues on the continent this past weekend. All four ties remain too close to call, though wider Casablanca of Morocco look most likely to progress after claiming a win on the road did Casablanca defeated host Bro Zedat 1-0 in Algiers thanks to a goal early in the second half from Gay Mbenza. Reigning African champions Al-Hokli, meanwhile, secured a 2-1 win over Raja Casablanca in Cairo. Pizzo Motsumane's side surged into an early 2-0 lead through Amir El-Salia and Hussein El-Shahat. But the Green Eagles pulled a goal back through Mohamed Zirida before halftime. Coach Motsman speaks on their victory over Raja Casablanca.
1: A very difficult game for us. This game should have been killed, here. Yeah. We didn't kill it,
3: but inshallah we will win there. I believe in my team. I've been to Morocco and we won. I know, I know the history here. When you've been to Morocco, you never won. But I've been here, I went to Morocco, we won. Why we didn't win is because we missed a lot of chances. I, I believe that we will win in Morocco. Saturday's early game saw Petro de Luanda end Mamelodi Sundowns' winning streak by defeating the South African giants 2-1 in the Angolan capital. Rolani Mokwena, the head coach of Mamelodi Sundown, says they are happy to go back to Johannesburg with an away goal to their advantage. But we are okay to go to to Johannesburg with a with a 2-1 scoreline. We take the away goal and we we can definitely score. In, and And I think Petro also knows that there's a goal. There's a
2: goal in Pretoria.
3: The first quarterfinal tie began on Friday night and ended in a nil-nil draw in Algiers between hosts ES Sative and Asperance du The return leg marches will be played on Friday the 22nd and Saturday the 23rd of April. And now to Athletics. The fourth Ugandan National Athletics Trials took place at the weekend at the Nelson Mandela National Stadium in Namboli. Athletes from the various clubs across Uganda converged to compete in the different competitions with varying targets to accomplish. Uganda's middle distance runner Halima Nakai, who won a bronze medal at the just-concluded World Indoor Athletics Championships in Belgrade, said the trial will prepare Ugandan athletes for the World Athletics Championships in Oregon, United, states where she hopes to defend her 800 meters title as well as the commonwealth games and african senior championships
5: i'm so grateful for uganda athletic federation for organizing these national trials to enable us to check on the level of our fitness more so the reason to why i compete in our national trials To motivate the upcoming
3: athletes. Staying with athletics, reigning Olympics marathon champion Pires Jipchichiro will lead a strong contingent of Kenyan women to Monday's Boston Marathon. And that's it on Daybreak Africa Sports. I am Samson O'Male in Abuja, Nigeria. It's back to you, Douglas, in Washington.
0: Thanks, Samson. And that's it for this edition of Daybreak Africa. We thank you for spending this morning with us. For more African news and features, visit our website at voanews.com. Connect with us on all social media platforms, Twitter Instagram. I'm Douglas Simpuga in Washington, wishing you a great week ahead.
2: Join me, Heidi Adams, on the next Straight Talk Africa. Does a political candidate's age really matter? What helps and hurts younger candidates who contest in elections across the African continent? Not Too Young to Run is the focus of our discussion on the next Straight Talk Africa. This Wednesday at 18.30 UTC.
3: VOA brings you the best in African music on the African beat. African Beat showcases the latest and the greatest of contemporary African music, from bobo music to hip life, bonga flavor to supus, afrobeat to Dumbolo and makosa to kweto. The African Beat on VOA has it all. And it's happening right here, Mondays through Fridays at 0905 and 2005 UTC, right after the international news. Hey, sports fans, brighten your day by tuning into the sunny side of sports Monday through Friday at 1630 and 1830 UTC. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash VOA sunny and on Twitter at VOA sunny sports or check out the blog at blogs.voanews.com forward slash sunny. It's the sunny side of sports right here on the voice of America.